Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second before we get into this episode to remind you that the show is also available on YouTube. And starting from episode number 101, it's all in 4K. I'm trying to make the best video podcast I can, so definitely check it out and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Go to youtube.com slash at progressionspod or hit the link in the show notes. If you're not getting enough progressions and you want to get even more thoughts on creativity, productivity, and growth in music, then you should sign up for my newsletter. You'll find a brief article in each monthly edition as well as updates on progressions and myself. I'm also sharing some workflow hacks and links to stuff that I found interesting or helpful. So it should be fun. If you want to stay up to date on the latest and get all the bonus stuff, go to travisferrance.com slash subscribe or click the link in the show notes. Hey y'all, welcome back to Progressions, success in the music industry. Today feels a bit like a milestone, maybe just a tiny one. We're at episode 10 today. It's been 10 weeks since we started this journey. Well, 10 weeks for y'all, probably more like 20 for me. Anyway, I'm excited to bring you today's interview. It's a fun one. I actually laughed out loud editing it. I think you'll enjoy it. So let's rip into this opening rant and then get on to the party. This week, I was planning on doing a bit about collaboration because our guest is one of my closest collaborators. But this morning, I watched a video that a previous guest on the show sent me, and there was an idea in there that really resonated with me. And I think it hits on the core values of this show. So we're going to save collaboration for another episode. In episode one, I said that there was a difference between waking up one day and getting a number one hit and waking up one day and having a number one hit. I think this idea will hammer that home and hopefully leave you all waking up one day to your goals being realized. In the business world, yep, we are going back to charts and books and studies on this one. In the business world, there are terms that describe two types of goals, input goals and output goals. Let's start with the output goal. An output goal is the type of goal that describes your long-term targets. Benchmarks like increasing sales 20% year over year or increasing your viewership in a key demographic. Output goals are telling you where you want to go. An input goal is an actionable goal that can be measured and defined by the work that someone puts in. Examples, contact 30 sales leads every week, or practice piano for 20 minutes a day. These goals are actions that you and your team have control over. Now back to output goals. These are outcomes, one-off milestones things that you don't have direct control over. Think of them as where you are steering the ship. They aren't down in the machine room working the engine. That's where the input goals come in. Let's take this show for example. I'm only going to release my 10th consecutive episode once. It's an output goal, just like my goal of delivering a new episode every week for a year. It's a series of input goals that has set me up for being able to deliver weekly episodes and still continue to do my normal mix work. The best part about input goals is that they are measurable and trackable, and I love tracking stuff. You can see progress being made or identify potential slowdowns because you are either completing or not completing these smaller micro goals. And remember, these revolve around actionables that you have control over. Jeff Bezos wrote in one of his annual letters to shareholders that he believes focusing on controllable inputs to the business is the most effective way to maximize outputs over time. So if you're looking for a case study on input goals blowing you past your output goals, I think you've got one right there. 
So the question becomes, what are the right input goals? So let's pause here for just a moment. I want to jump over to a book by Gary Keller, The One Thing. Gary Keller is a co-founder of Keller Williams Realty, which is the largest realtor in the world. I think the best way to summarize Keller's book would be, to achieve extraordinary results, you must hone in on the one thing that you are most driven to achieve and find the next single most important thing that you need to do to achieve it. And that goes for any area of your life, personal or career. He describes success as having a domino effect. As dominoes fall and hit each other, they are able to knock down a domino that is 50% larger than the domino that is falling. So if you started with a domino of two inches, your 31st domino would be taller than Mount Everest. Why are we talking about dominoes? Well, if your output goal is that Mount Everest-sized 31st domino, you're going to have a hard time knocking that over with a finger flick. Keller writes that you need to break your goals down to smaller and smaller next goals until you reach the next one thing that you need to be doing. He calls it thinking big but going small. You have to find the one thing that you need to do next to achieve your weekly goal so that you will be on track to achieve your monthly goal and your yearly goal and your three-year goal and your five-year You get the point. He's laying out the dominoes. And you know what that next one thing is going to be? It's going to be an input goal. That's how you find the right input goal. You go backwards from your lofty someday output goal, which you don't have control over, and you break it down to input goals that you can act on, and then you let the dominoes fall. And to cite Keller again, you can't skip steps. You can't ask, what's the one thing I can do right now to achieve my someday goal? That won't work because the path to that goal is not clear. It's too far from where you are today. You need to connect all the dots between here and there to really see what your actionables are. So to return to waking up one day and having a number one hit, that is an output goal. You can't control how the marketplace and your audience will receive your music. You can control how much music you release, the strategies you use, the quality of your music, the collaborators you work with, the new skills you learn, and the amount you practice. So, start using output goals to determine your next input goals and commit to completing them. Do that and you'll look back one day to realize that you blew past your goals and achieved far more than you set out for. Today's guest is producer, composer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist Corey Britz. Most people will know him as the bass player for the band Bush, which he's been a member of for the last decade. And when he's not touring the world, he stays busy as a producer and songwriter. Working on recent releases for his own band, as well as artists like Atlas Genius and Broken Love, his experience doesn't stop with bands and artists, though. He is also well-versed in the world of TV and film, where he has composed music for several productions. And hey, why stop there, right? He's also launched his own artist project this year, releasing music under his own name for the first time, with his latest single, Edge of the World, out now. So we've got a lot to talk about. Welcome to the show, Corey Britz. Hey, man. Wow. Hey. <laughs> you just made me feel much better about myself than I was feeling when I showed up. <laughs> That's great. Well, that's, I should that's come what, over that's more what the often. opens for, you know? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, that's great. So I'm, I've been excited for this one since we talked about it. For people that don't know, Corey's one of my closest friends and, and collaborators. We've spent, uh, you know, far too much time together in the same room. Uh, so we're going to try not to tangent around too much, but I, I don't make a lot of promises on this and one. And yet here we are again. <laughs> it's like, you know, instead of time off, let's just hang out more. Do some more talking. Totally done. 
So, uh, I mean, I know a ton about you, but we got to tap into uh, the beginning for for the listeners a little bit. How did you first get into music? I probably first got into music, honestly, just from like my mom. Uh, she was into music and she was a musician. So it definitely started with her and just um, around the house and singing. She was a choir director and a music teacher and, and all that. So that's where it, like it first began. The seriousness of it probably began in uh, middle school, you know, when we started to hang out with people and people started to actually listen to music and get into their own things and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, it's childhood generally, and then as we got older, got more interested in, you know, popular music, whatever that was at the time. And was it, um, was bass your first instrument? Everybody knows you as a bass player. No, um, I kind of started like, like piano lessons when I was a kid, and then went to guitar and then I started playing bass uh later on I started playing bass in um when I was 19 in college because the band that I was uh wanting to be in needed a bass player and uh that's how that started and then I fell and then I was into it you know like it was like one of those things where you know I mean I'm, I, I, it's not like I never touched a bass before that you know that's you know that's what you know that's the whole thing but that was the first time it was like okay, I'm playing bass in a band. I'm going to concentrate on being a bass player. And um, that, was, that was awesome. That experience was great. And then I realized I enjoyed it more so than playing guitar. And then, then I switched my major to bass. And that was that. So you, were, you went to school for music then? You were at music college? Mm-hmm. I went to Shenandoah University in uh, Virginia as a commercial music major. And... Uh, well, before I started, before I joined that band, where I started playing bass in, I was going to James Madison University, and I, I had no thoughts of doing music or going to music school. And then I started playing that band, and like six months later, I transferred to Shenandoah Music School as a bass player, or Shenandoah University as a bass player. Yeah, well, because you know me. I know. You know, I... Uh, you know me. I mean, things just, that's how I am. And I, I don't know, I'm not a planner. I'm a reactor. And that's about, that's about my, that's my story is, you know, oh, what's that? That's cool. I want to do that. And that's, that's, that's how I ended up. That's uh, literally, I was thinking about, cause I've been listening to your podcast and I love it. And I, and I've, I've been fascinating listening to all these people speak about like what they do and their, you know, like their goals and how they got there and everything. And, and I was like, I was fascinated by it because it was such a foreign like thing to me that people actually like <laughs> have a goal and like a thing in mind and like and like they actually have their shit together like in that way you know what I mean and um so I kind of both at the same time felt extremely inadequate but <laughs> but like but like really like I learned a lot and then like now I'm just sitting here thinking all right my thing is nothing like that and I've been trying to find those parallels and I, I have you know I haven't found any yet but I'm hoping that together you can help me like figure out like <laughs> Where that stuff comes into play for me. Cause yeah, but by the time we're done, we're going to find one. We're going to figure me out, man. Yeah. we got to <laughs> figure out, you know, why I'm here, how I got here, and uh, and if there's, a, like, a hidden reason that, that I never knew about. <laughs> oh, that's... You know, it's funny that you say you started playing bass because the band needed a bass player. I feel like there's, like, this... Like, poor bass players. I feel like that's where bass players come from. Like, for some reason, nobody wants to do it. So some, some guitar player is like, ah, okay, cool, I'll, I'll play bass. I can do that. And then they, they stick around and realize that bass is actually good. That was my first instrument. 
So yeah, right. I I think bass is one of those really cool instruments where it's um it's easy to step into like and get up and running as a player like as a you know like you know you can be, get, be in a in a rock band and and learn the bass parts relatively quickly, but it doesn't stop there. And you know what I mean? And like once you take like the uh, oh easy, we can get any friend to play bass. You know that's how I got into it. It's literally like I was any friend that could handle playing the bass for those notes. You know what I mean? And like. You know, everybody was kids, and you don't realize how much there actually is to playing the bass. But you're like, hey, but like I sat down for a week and I learned these four songs, and we're gonna go play a, a show. You know, you weren't any good at it. You didn't even know what bass was then. You know, you just knew that there's the notes I had to play. I played the notes, and and you know, and you, you know, it takes you a while to realize I played the notes really badly. <laughs> but now I'm fascinated by what it takes to be a better bass player. Now I want to be a bass player. You know, it's like I don't know. Bass is funny like that. It's an easy in, and, and but a lifetime of like trying to get it to be all right. Well, I think it's uh, it's kind of along the lines with with drums in that the um, it's the it's the art of restraint that makes it great. Yeah, you know what no, I mean. It, it totally is. It totally is, and it's um, which is fascinating because in every other aspect of my life, I have none. <laughs> <laughs> right, but as a bass player, you know, I, I I tend to sit back and just you know, you know, play as little as possible and add to whatever I can without being like you know, a flashy player that does all kinds of you know, crazy riffs and stuff. You know what I mean? I'm just like, hey, what's the minimum spec? You know what I mean? Like, what can I, what can I play that helps the song but stays out of the way and I have fun and I don't have to be too sober to do it? Like that's you know, those are like. Those are important to me, you know? But, like, yeah, all other parts of my life, I'm a total spaz. But when I play bass, it's like, that's fine. I'll just do that. That's good. Just leave it there and play it right. I, I can't let the listeners think that, that you're not good at bass. I've seen, I've seen Corey rip through, like, crazy <laughs> well, Jocko changes. I mean, the, the, the guy can shred. He just likes to practice restraint. Let's just, we'll put that on the table. Um, yeah. did, did I ever tell you, this is kind of a tangent, obviously. We're going to straight to the tangents. How... <laughs> But how I got into music playing bass, I must have told you because it directly relates I, to you, more or less. I, I think I don't know if you actually have told me. Like so, I mean, my, I, you've 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 hinted at it with some hilarious Christmas gifts, but I don't know exactly. So it's 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 really good. So uh, I think it was like sixth, probably eighth grade talent show. My friends were like, "We're gonna play Glycerine by Bush," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that song's great." They're like, "Do you want to play bass?" And I'm like, "Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll play bass." I don't play bass. And they're like, cool, just get a bass and you can play, right? So uh, there was one guy in the band who was like, he's like, Travis is not going to be good enough. He cannot learn how to play bass in three weeks for this. And uh, so I got a bass and I learned how to play those root notes. And I was cut. I, 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 wasn't, I was not allowed to play <laughs> in, the, in the show. <laughs> I was vetoed out. And that's how I started playing music was so that I could not play bass on, on a Bush track, which I think is hilarious that we've ended up such good friends. Um, Dude, that is funny. You know, I my my first gig is a very similar story. Like I was just playing guitar, you know, just kind of learning, and we were doing a talent show at school, and uh, some buddies wanted to get together and play a um, a Beatles song, you know, and uh, I was like, yeah, I'm totally into that. I'll do that, and I learned the song and everything, and I totally got relegated to tambourine. <laughs> Like, so, like, my first, like, ever show in front of people, you know, with my buddies, like, you know, trying to start a band or everything, I was, I was Lyndon McCartney. <laughs> and I was so sad about it. And then that drove me to, like, get better 
and try to be good because I was so sad that I didn't get to play guitar and I was just playing tambourine, an unnecessary tambourine, you know, and extremely loud. So, I mean, I was actually doing more harm on tambourine than I ever could have done on acoustic guitar. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, joke's on them. <laughs> you know, because, like, I was like, oh, you give the worst musician the loudest thing? Perfect. Yeah, Done. way to go, amateur. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Showed them. <laughs> so, let's, um, let, let's see if we can, we can find, uh, you know, some some of these, I'm some of these things. The best time. Right, right. I'm already okay. having the best We're, time. We ever. gotta find something that that happened somewhere here. How'd you how'd you get to L.A.? You were in Virginia. Yeah. So going back to the music school thing, I was in music school, and um, I was really doing terribly at it. I think I was in my fifth year, and I was still technically a freshman because I'd failed every class for five years. And I was friends with Justin Derrico as we met at school and we had a band. So we were playing all the time and we, but we were, so we, it wasn't that we were failing like the classes, but they had a really strict attendance policy and we were always gigging and always missing class and we always missed too many and they just gave you automatic Fs no matter what, you know? So like we were struggling and like, the school thing wasn't working out. We were learning a lot. I mean, the school was great. We learned a lot of stuff there, like a lot of really good information that we still use all the time. But we failed everything. You know what I mean? So we were just like, well, this isn't working. So my dad was finally like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? This is, I'll never forget this. This is in April of 2003. And I was like, my dad came to me on a Friday. He's like, why are you doing this? What do you, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to be a musician. He's like, then why are you here? And that Monday, my dad packed my car up and drove me to Los Angeles. He just, he said, no. And I didn't even tell the school I left. I didn't, like, withdraw, nothing. I just bailed. Like, just pulled a Houdini. I was out of there, man. And, like, my dad drove me, and he, we, we, I didn't have an apartment or anything. And we drove, and he'd never been to L.A. in his life either. And we just drove. It was like, there. hey, that sign says Hollywood. Isn't that where you go? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And they're like, so, you know, we pull into Hollywood and we just like tool around. Like, there's an apartment building that says a vacancy sign on it. We pull in there and my dad's like, hey, you got an apartment? Like, yeah. My dad gets me a studio apartment. And he pays my first month's rent. And he's like, good luck. And then he just bailed. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I'm like, awesome. And then a couple months later, Justin came out. So then like the support, you know, my friends that I knew from back home, like people started trickling in. You know what I mean? Right. And then we had a little bit of a support thing going on here because that first couple of months I was just like, you know what I mean? Like just, I had nobody. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what anything was. And it was pre, you know, all this tech. So I, I had a Thomas guide, you know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, I did too. I and did a car. Too. And I was just like, I was lost. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know where I was supposed to go. I didn't know how to get in auditions or, you know what I mean? Like nothing. I didn't know where people played music. You know, so I was picking up, like, rags, like, you know, L.A. Weekly and stuff like that, you know? Like, trying to just figure it out. And, um, yeah, it was weird. Really weird time. And scary as shit, you know? Like, it was just like, why am I? And then I was like, why am I here? Like, I said the same thing two weeks ago when I was in Virginia. I'm like, why am I here? I don't know. I should go. And then I got here, and I was like, why am I here now? This doesn't make any sense. But I'm glad I did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and for, for anybody that doesn't know, because this era is gone now, the Thomas Guide for Los <laughs> Angeles. We're talking about like a 200-page book, like a small like dictionary, and you just kind of like, you found your grid, 
and somebody was like, hey, this is where I live. And you're like, okay, so it's in like A, page 75, box A, 22. And you just got lost everywhere. Dude, it was so awful. It was, I mean, it was, a, it was hard, man. Like, life was so much harder 20 years ago, <laughs> wasn't it? Like, it's easier in so many ways, but so much harder in so many others. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, okay, so Justin comes out. Uh, Justin's a good friend of yours and, and mine now. Uh, the guy's hilarious. He comes out a few months after you. How'd you guys break into the audition thing? Because that's probably something, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be the same now as it was then, but there's a lot of kids that are probably coming out to LA. They want to be sidemen. They want to be session guys. Like what, what did you guys do first? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, we just kind of started hanging out. You know what I mean? Like that, that was, we didn't know what else to do. So it was just like hanging out and you'd meet people in our apartment building. You know what I mean? That like, Oh, I'm a musician too. Come to my show, you know? And then, I mean, you know me better than a lot of people. And like, that is like my nightmare, right? Like I don't want to go out. I don't want to go to people's shows. I don't want to do anything. But Justin, thank God, was like is such an outgoing and like fun person and everything. So by proxy, you know what I mean? Like I was like, okay. And he'd be like, no, let's go. You know, we figured it out. And then everybody liked him. So like we started to make a network of people. And then we, and then people started saying, hey, you guys, you know, you guys can play. You know, we jam and do things like you should talk to so-and-so that, you know, this is a person that like does auditions for bands or this is a person that sets up sessions, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. So it was all literally like that old school hit the ground running, talking, networking thing, you know? But like yeah. networking, it was definitely like, when I think about networking, I think about kind of the icky, you know, like Hollywood networking thing. And it wasn't that. It was like an actual legitimately organic networking thing of like just meeting other downtrodden, hopeless romantics that were trying to make it in this business. You know what I mean? It was, we weren't meeting lofty people. We weren't allowed into those parties. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, you know what I mean? We were just finding other guys that were just trying to figure it out. And they'd be, you know, and everybody'd be like, dude, we're playing this show. And you go there and you see a show and like, that person's really good. And you talk to them and, I don't know. I think it was a pretty fascinating thing looking back on it, but it was just going out and doing it just is what made it happen. Yeah. Last week, uh, my guest Shoshana Bean, she made a comment about networking. I never looked at it this way because I think of it like you do, like it's kind of dirty and it's, it's annoying. And why am I going to call this guy? He doesn't want to talk to me. But she was like, she looked at networking as, as just kind of like organic connections with people that you're hanging out with, that you're making music with. And those are the, like the actual things that are going to result in you work or career advancement, all this like it's, Hollywood smoozing is just nothing ever. Well, comes you from know, it. no, nothing ever does come from it. The most amazing connections always come from the small places that you don't even think about. Like the, where you're not consciously going networking. Like I've never gotten work out of going to an industry party and no. shaking someone's hand. You know, that's not where you do it, but I've gotten, I mean, so many weird little moments have turned into jobs. Uh, you know, just being at a music store to pick up a pack of strings and it's like, oh, there's a really cool bass. I've never played one of those. You know, I, I, you know, I've, I wanted to check those out. And you plug it in, and then some guy walks up and's like, "Hey, man, you sound good." You know, I'm like, "Oh, what, what do you do?" And then you're just like, all of a sudden, you've got a new lifelong friend who happens to be a big record producer, and he was just there to pick up a, you know, a new capo. You know what I mean? And you're just like, oh my god, I just made friends with this dude. I had no idea who he is. You look him up when you get home, and you're like, oh, shoot. That dude's got some stuff going on, and he thought I was—he thought I could play. How cool is that, you know? And then you, then you, you know, email him and say, "Hey, great meeting you." 
And then, you know, six months later, out of the blue, they're like, hey, I got a project I'm working on. What are you up to? You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, um, nothing. Honestly, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) What time do you need me to be there? I'll be there early. (laughs) Oh, man. It's true. So true. If you're enjoying this episode, then please consider pulling your phone out, tapping that share button, and sending this to one person that you think would enjoy it. Obviously, it would be huge for me, but it could be even more game-changing for that person. You just never know what can inspire or help someone else out. I want to take a second to tell you about Secret Sonics, a podcast by Ben Wallach and Carl Bonner. Secret Sonics is one of my favorite shows, and it's now double amazing with the addition of Carl Bonner as a co-host. Ben and Carl have teamed up to discuss the real-world trials and triumphs of music production. They cover it all from mixing and studio tricks to branding and mindsets. If you're a fan of progressions, you'll be a fan of Secret Sonics. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts or hit the link in the show notes. Do you remember what the first gig you did that felt like it was a break? Like you were like, oh man, this is a good one. Wow, yeah. I mean, the first one that felt like a break. Like what's funny about it is everything feels like a break. You know, like some of the smaller ones when I first got out here, were like, you know, the first time I played at Viper Room because I'd heard about this place. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it yeah. felt like it, you know, it felt like a micro break. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my God, I'm playing at this place I've heard my whole about, you know, for all these years. You know, I'm in LA, you know, oh my God, this is cool. And it's with some band you've never heard of, nobody's ever heard of. You know what I mean? Like I didn't even know who they were. You know, like I wasn't in the band. It's just like some dude calls and says, hey man, I'll give you $45. And you're like, I'm there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and it, but so all those little things, man, they're all like little, I don't know what you'd call them, but just like little tiny like wins that like plug you into the scene you, you, you wanted to be a part of, you know? And then probably the first time that I got like a, uh, I felt like something really cool was happening was um, when I joined a rock band called Operator. And um, it was just cool. They were really good, you know? Like, they were great players, great, you know, songs. And um, they were, you know, Atlantic signed them. And then that didn't end up working out for me, but it was like, that was like the first time I like kind of was close to that, you know, that thing, you know, that thing that you think is what you want. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and yeah, and that was, you know, that was a cool moment and it didn't end up working out, but that band and everything that surrounded that band was the main explosion point. I guess you would, I don't know what you'd call it. Like the main point where my career actually started to happen and I didn't even realize it. Okay. So when I was playing an operator, Justin um, called me. He's like, Hey, there's an audition for this band, the calling. Right. And he's like, you should come. He's like, I'm going to go down and they're looking for, you know, guitar and bass. I was like, great. You know, I'll come. So I go down to this um, audition. I audition Justin auditions. They end up calling. So me and Justin are back at our hotel. I mean, our hotel, our apartment. I don't know why I would call it a hotel. There's some weird psychological stuff we should speak about off the air. <laughs> but so like I we get back to our apartment that evening. We get a call from the management and they're like, they called Justin. They're like, Hey, we want you to play guitar for us, blah, blah, blah. And then like he hangs up and I'm like, dude, that's awesome. You got the gig, whatever. And then like 10 minutes later, they call me. Right. And I, and I turned the gig down. Right. And I was like, no, nah, I'm in this other band and we're, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're talking to majors and everything's going well, blah, blah, blah. So Justin joins the band. He goes off and does his thing and starts playing with this band and they're, they're touring and doing their thing. And I, and I stay here. And like literally like three weeks later, I'm out of that band. Like, it's just like, it didn't work out. I mean, you know, it's just like, so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like gigless. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh crap. You know, like I should have taken that gig 
because you know they had they had a huge hit song at the time, and you know they were doing their thing. And I was like, oh, I felt so stupid. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, I made a bad choice. You know, like one of those ones where you're like, you know, you got your pride and I'm part of this band and we're getting signed. You know what I mean? That whole thing. And then it just blew up in my face. But then like literally a couple of weeks later, they, they were out there on the road and realized they couldn't cover all the parts with the, with, the, with the people they had. So they wanted to add an auxiliary guy, a keyboard and guitar guy, right? Mostly keyboard. And Justin calls me. He's like, dude, you want to play keyboards in the band? And I hadn't touched a keyboard since, like, elementary school. You know what I mean? Like, when I was taking piano lessons, like, you know, and I was like, yeah, I want that gig. So I went and auditioned on keyboard. I mean, I shedded so hard for, like, a week to try to learn how to play keyboards. You know what I mean? And, like, I go in there, and I'm like, and I, I, I did it okay. You know, it wasn't great. But, like, Justin's already in the band. They already liked him, you know, and he's like, we should bring him. He's a great guy. You know, like, you guys will love him. So they hired me. So now I'm playing in that band on keyboards and a little bit of, you know, guitar. And then like maybe a month later or so, the bass player ended up not being able to be in the band anymore. So they're like, no, man, we need a bass player. And then they're like, wait, didn't we want you to play bass anyway? And then I just moved over to bass. And like, the, <laughs> and, like <laughs> and that was it. That was like the big moment. So it was all this like me just like not having a plan. And weird crap happening and me just going, all right, I'll do it, which is, you know, how I am with everything I've ever done. This is like, uh, I don't know why I'm here. Well, but you you put in the time and you had the talent to back up those, like when you got those opportunities, you were able to come through. I mean, you, you weren't playing keyboards. You showed up now all of a sudden you can play all these songs on keyboard. Did you have to buy a keyboard? Did they have a rig? No, luckily they had one. Okay. Right. And uh, yeah. Justin was kind enough to tell me what model it was so that I could learn how to change it um, into the key of C for every song. <laughs> See? So sometimes, you know, it's not always talent, <laughs> but your ability to um, recognize your lack of talent and figure out how to use tech in order to <laughs> cover your, you know, cover your inadequacies. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, this song's got four flats in it. Oh, how many is that? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, you know, like, now I'm in C. Woo! <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, this is very revealing. <laughs> uh, what would, I, I forget, what was the, the big song from The Calling? Did they uh, they did had uh, Wherever You Will Go. That was their, like, yes. big smash hit. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge. Huge. Were, that was a were big... you playing with them at that time? Were you guys playing that song around the world? We were playing that song, but that we, we came into the band after that record had already been out. Like so okay. that was their you know, that was their big huge hit. But we came in when they came out with their second album. So we were okay. playing that song around the world with them, which was which was fun because like just two like kids from, you know, middle of nowhere playing a hit song, you know, that we knew on the from the radio, you know, around the world was pretty rad. Especially since I was on tour with my best bud. You know what I mean? It's like everything just Epic. was Everything was kind of working, you know, like in a really fun, wild way, you know? Amazing. So, um, God, I have like a million things written down to, uh, to talk about, but we, we definitely have to hit Bush. How'd you end up bass player for Bush? Um, I ended up playing in Bush, uh, let's see, like, I think it was 2007, 2008. Um, I was playing with uh, Dave Stewart in a band called Platinum Weird, and he was writing with Gavin for Gavin's, Gavin Rossdale for his solo record and um, and producing a couple tracks with him. And Dave ended up bringing me in as a session player 
on those sessions. And that's how I met Gavin and, uh, you know, we, we became friends and everything. And I, and then he invited me to come out and play on his solo tour. And then shortly following that is when, uh, he put the band back together, put Bush back together after a, like a 10 year hiatus. Um, and, uh, needed a bass player and called me up and asked me if I wanted to join the band. So really just based on, uh, a relationship from working together then. Yeah. Yeah. Just from, just from studio work via another mutual friend, you know, like, yeah, it's not like I had a website, you know, and like, <laughs> I wasn't, you know, I wasn't putting up Instagram ads, you know what I mean? It's just like, it was just like, you know, I just happened to be the guy that answered the phone that day. Honestly, I mean, how many bass players you think Dave Stewart knows that are killer? You know what I mean? Like, a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just happened to be the way I picked up and said I could make it, you know? Came through. Oh, let's see. Out of out of my list, I don't let's know. Let's just man. hit what it you... all. Let's hit it hit, all. Hit it all? Just, okay. hit, just hit it. I mean, you let's come on. Okay, so um, I've got, uh, I think this is a good one, and you and I kind of touched on this the other day. You uh, You said something to me. I don't know, like a year or two ago, and it has always stuck really, like really stuck with me enough that I bring it up every time I'm given the opportunity. And you said, I mean, I'm not going to remember exactly because it was so long ago, but basically what I took away is you said that a good partnership is not twice as good. It's four times as good or 10 times as good. That makes so much sense to me because if it's, if you're working with somebody or you're working with two people and you're only, you're only twice as good or you're three times as good, then like really you're no better than you were by yourself. And it's yeah. like, when you look at a team like that, I mean, obviously you and I have worked together for, I don't know, like five or six years on, on a million things. And I definitely feel like that's something that, that you and I have, that the work I do with you is far better than the work I do by myself. Yeah. Would, do you have any thoughts on just like teams and collaboration? Cause I feel like you obviously have some insight on that. Cause I'd never heard anybody describe it the way you did. Well, I've always, I've always subscribed to the fact that, um, knowing your your own inadequacies and like things that you're really bad at is one of the most valuable things you can do like you know and we live in a world where everybody's pretending like they're really great at everything you know and and it's it's like i don't know I, i've never subscribed to that i mean like you said like i honestly feel like when i write a song by myself that it's okay you know what i mean like it's it's okay but whenever I write with somebody, it's way more than twice as good. You know what I mean? Like it's like right. you have you have other perspective. You might bring somebody in that's like really great at like like lyrics or or or, or musical parts or like or or just great at like tying the room together. Like you know, like great arrangers and great you know because there's all these different things that like yeah you know like you can get caught in. I always get caught in my own rut. My rut's changed by the by the day, but every day I'm stuck in some rut that I've imposed on myself with some thought I had. You know what I mean? Like, so today, if I write a song today, it's gonna be, it's gonna be A B C A B C D A B, because I because that's what I thought about this morning when I heard this other song that did that. You know what I mean? And and, and, I, and I've got myself stuck. You know what I mean? And then I'm like yeah. trying to write something that my brain's already decided it was going to write. You know? But it, whereas if I collaborate with somebody, they're going to go, that part's awesome. No, don't go there. Let's do this. And you're like, oh, that's way better. You know? And same thing with like audio, with production, uh, with playing. I mean, heck, 
just playing with different people. Like, I mean, how many times have we been together where the guys that end up playing the parts on the record aren't, that's not their first instrument. You know what I mean? Like oh, little yeah. things like that where it's like, hey, you, hey, guitar player, you play the bass part on this. Why? Because it feels and sounds cooler when you do it. I like yeah. what you're doing there better than what I'm doing over here as a bass player. You know what I mean? Like, and like allowing those things to happen. Um, I just think it's, I think it's important, man. I mean, collaboration is hard and tricky, but finding people that you can collaborate with that are open to just being like team players. I think those teams always put together so many things. Like I always hear about songwriting teams. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I always, always hear about the great teams of people that did these great tracks or these great production teams or, like, I don't know, bands. I mean, bands. Bands are a giant collab, you know what I mean? And, it, like, you take any band and take, like, one member out of it, it's not that band anymore. You know? It's, like, it's it's they're probably good, but it's different, you know? Like, it's going to be, you know? Like, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Answer. Yes is my answer. Yeah. So, well, I guess it 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 lays out like the uh, the importance of like the um, the sum the sum of it all. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It, it's like you can take a bunch of really great things or really great people or great ideas and shove them together, and if they don't come out as a far better idea or a far better product or band or whatever it is, not even music aside, then then it's kind of a bust. Otherwise, you should have just left it alone. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. It's like, uh, I don't know. I just have always enjoyed it, and to a fault sometimes, because I've also been the one guy that's in the room that everybody's annoyed at. But, you know, like, you, you, you got to find the people that you work with well, you know? Like, I mean, I've been in bands that, that fired me because, like, that just didn't fit, you know? Like, and I've been in other bands that are like, how can anyone fire you? You're, you're, we're having such a great time together. I'm like, you just got to find your place and not be upset. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of people get so hurt by those kind of situations. Oh, Sometimes yeah. it's just a bad fit. It's not your fault. It's not their fault. It's nobody's fault. Maintain friendship. Don't kill that. Don't burn that bridge on your way out. Be cool because, like, literally, they always come back around. Like, the, the, the same people that have fired me off one gig are the same people that have hired me for other gigs. It's not necessarily you. It's not necessarily anything to do with you. It's just the situation's not yours. Oh, yeah, and, and people that can recognize that you're not right for a job or, or a band or whatever it is are probably also the people that know what you're going to be right for. And that's, that's why they're going to call you back. They're like, ah, he wasn't right for this, but you know what he's really good at, this other thing? Like you said, they'll call you yeah. back a couple years later. Well, I mean, early on in my career, I got called for an audition. It was for a really heavy band. And as you know, I love heavy music, but I'm not that heavy of a guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like who I am, you know? But so I walk into this room and it's like, they're all like freaking yoked, you know what I mean? Just like, yep. like, like, like dudes, dudes, you know what I mean? Like, just like, just like freaking muscle bound tats on their face, blah, 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 you know? And I'm like, and I walk in, I'm like, you know, 21 years old, you know what I mean? Like, oh dear Lord, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, and I played with them and we played great music and they literally turned, the singer literally turned to me, he's like, dude, you sound great, but you just don't fit, man. <laughs> you know I mean? like, and I'm like, I agree, dude. I mean, thanks for the call. You know, I hope you find your bass player. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not me. 
we're, we're all well aware of it, but thanks for going through the motions anyway. It was fun to jam with you guys. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> appreciate it. I guess you, you could probably tell. I mean, I'm not a player. People, people probably know that I'm not a player. You could probably tell, like, as soon as you get to an audition, you get, like, 16 bars in. You're probably like, I'm not getting this gig. Is, is that or, yeah? Is that something that happens? You're like, I'm just not vibing with these this group. Yeah, no, I've I've definitely had that happen before. Like I've I've done certain auditions, and some people I won't name names because I don't want to. You know, that's not something I would do. You know, but like, there's been a couple auditions where I know that like I scared the shit out of the artist. You know what I mean? And then like other, you know, not like scared them like in some crazy way, but just like. They were just like, nah, not my dad, no. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and then like other artists where you think, I ain't got a prayer here, but for some reason you click with them. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, yeah. mean, I, I mean, I've had, I've had some gigs where, you know, it's like I'm like a, you know, 35-year-old rock guy playing with like a 14-year-old pop act. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I went into the audition like, you know, like, no way. Right, this, right. This doesn't make any sense. Like, no way. And you get there, and, and then, like, the, the artist is, like, cool, and like they, there's just a thing, and then the manager's like, hey, you, we really liked your vibe together. You know? And you're like, really? I mean, I could, I could, I could be his dad. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I'm not going like, to be on camera, am I? Yeah, it's like, well, this feels odd. I don't know. I, mean, I think that, the, you know, we always have these preconceived notions about what things are supposed to be, but I've seen them go both ways. I've seen it be like, yeah, we were right about that. That's not a good gig for me. But I've also seen it go like, I can't believe I got that gig. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. But I think the, the general rule of thumb is, if you don't got work, show up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just like, just go. Who knows? Do you think that doing, like, when you get one of those gigs that, like, maybe you thought you weren't right for, or it doesn't really make sense in, like, your path, were any of those gigs, like, beneficial to you? Or then, in the end, when you look back... Are you like, oh man, that gig took me nowhere for like six months. I just paid my bills. I think they were all beneficial. Like, I mean, I don't think there's anything in our life that happens that isn't beneficial as long as you don't have blinders on, you know? Like mm -hmm. for some of those gigs, it's like, oh, well, you know, I didn't think I was going to get this gig. But after, you know, working with this artist for three weeks and doing a, a run of like promotional shows or whatever, I now have a really good understanding of how to be in the studio as a producer with a 14-year-old kid. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I've now developed this, this like, new, like, um, you know, way to interact with people I'm not used to interacting with. It doesn't have to be musical. It can just be on a personal level, you know? Just, like, as a producer, you know, half the time you're just trying to make somebody comfortable and get a job done with them, you know? So yeah. It's, so it's, you know, you put that in your quiver and you never know when it's going to show up, you know, like, all right, now I, I've been in that situation. I know this situation, you know, I can handle a momager, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, I've had those run-ins. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Now I see what their dynamic is and how they, how they work and, you know, and, and, and how I can, you know, make sure they're all happy, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's an important takeaway is that that you're always taking something away from every opportunity, that you're learning something everywhere, which I think is something that that I've noticed is like you have this relentless like learning. I'm not going to call it a problem or an addiction, but it could technically be called an addiction. Every time I talk to you, you're talking about something new. You're like, oh, yeah, I just figured out green screens. So I'm going to use that for my next video, and then we're going to chop it up like this. And 
I'm just like, whoa, he, where is he like finding all this information? He, how does he have time to ingest all this? Like, do you find yourself to be like super inquisitive on just everything? To, yeah, but you're right to a fault. I mean, <laughs> to an absolute fault. I mean, and you've seen it. I mean, uh, my focus is crazy. I mean, it's so much focus, but it's not on anything it should be on ever. Right? It's like completely displaced freaking pinpoint focus at all times. Like when I should be learning how to play this song because I'm going to go play a show tomorrow, I'm over here going, oh my God, I really look, can you believe what they did in this spot? You know what I mean? Like it's like never, my focus is never in the right spot. And, uh, and it's something I've always been, oh, oh, not always, I was never really aware of it until I met you. And like you started <laughs> to let me know like, wow, you're told you're all over the place. And you're always, when we work together, you're always the guy that's like, whoa, Whoa, land the plane, dude. We, <laughs> we need to we need to figure out what we're working on here, not whatever you're talking about right now, because that has nothing to do with anything, you know. And and I don't know. I mean, it's, it's something I'm working on. Is trying to like you know trying to apply myself, you know, in more uh, constructive ways as opposed to you know, like last night, dude. Last night. This is so stupid, all right? But this is like just, it, you'll get a kick out of it because you know it's me. Last night, I watched at least eight hours of online chess tutorials. <laughs> I, I, believe, I believe it. For no reason whatsoever. I have no aspirations of being a master chess player. Or what You know what I mean? It's just that I got an app on my phone and the computer kept beating me. You know what I mean? And I was just like, this is so annoying. And then I dedicated eight hours of my day yesterday, which could have been much better used in a lot of different ways. Did you beat the computer? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I finally, finally beat it once. So, but that's my point. It's a complete waste of time. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe you never know. Yeah. You never know. I mean, maybe it's some party, you know, someday I'll, when I'm like 75, I'll be like, oh, I know this opening that you probably don't know. <laughs> it's like so stupid. Well, I, I think from our experiences together, you, you, you've cataloged a lot of information. But I think that people know that about you because I feel like there's a lot of the, some of the gigs that we've done together. I feel like they came to you because you're, you're a problem solver. And even if you didn't, know 100% of the path to, to finish that piece of the puzzle. You learned it by the end of the day, and then we were able to knock out whatever we needed to do. So I think that that carries along. I think people see that, and they're like, you know what, Corey knows a lot about a lot. Yeah, but but not like a lot, a lot about a lot of one thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I know. It's, it's kind of one of those jack-of-all-trades versus, like, you know, a guy that's really good at something. And just accepting your role as the guy that's kind of okay at a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? And just go ahead and be in that, you know? Because, like, I don't have the mental acumen to, like, funnel myself into one thing. And I wish I did because I would probably be much better at one thing than I am at anything else. But I, but I can't do it. Like, I just can't do it. I can't focus on anything for very long. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's a weird thing, but like, I can focus so hard on something for a little window. And then I'm on to the next thing. Like, I'm over it. I'm like, okay, cool. I, I got through that gig. <laughs> it's like, now what? Now let's, you know, let's move on. 
I don't know. We well, just keep it catalog. You, you've pulled out, I mean, basically every instrument that I could think of while we've worked together. And by the end of the day, you, you know how to play it. It ends but up I, on the record. But I can't take full credit for that because you know how to edit it. <laughs> right? So it's like, it's like at the end of the day, that's what I'm talking about with collaboration though, right? The fact that I can almost make a trombone make a sound and you can 100% edit all those almosts into a passable thing. We couldn't do that without collaboration. Then we'll, we should tell everybody that we've we've never we've never done trombone. Oh, that we wasn't can you? put it on the list though. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I mean though. I mean, it's like you know, it's a lot of the stuff that we do. You know, it only happens because we're all in the room and we're all able to help each other get something across the line. You know, I've played drums on a lot of our projects, and I'm pretty bad at it. But you were there to freaking make it sound like I know how to play the drums all right. You know, it's like, it's pretty funny. Yeah, I think it, it always comes back to the the sum. And you get all the right people together and you can get something done. I mean, we met we met working on The Voice. And that was like... Another gig with, I shouldn't have been on because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but you you filled your role in that in that team. I mean, it was you know, five or six guys that all had a very specific task to turn around, you know, 10 to 14 songs in a 48-hour period every week. And uh, if you wouldn't have had all those people doing their thing, you would have never been able to spit out 14 songs in 48 well, hours. Yeah. But also, if guys like you hadn't been there to, like, teach me how to do the obvious stuff that I didn't know how to do, I would have been totally fired. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. Hey, Travis, how do I open up a session? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah, you're going to want to click on that. I'm like, oh, cool. Now I'm in. Corey never given himself enough credit over here. No, um, but, uh, I'm better at it now because I've known you for like six years. You know what I mean? Like you've taught me, you know, you've taught me the Jedi ways. You know what I mean? But like before that, dude, I was just a young Padawan who was lost. <laughs> no <laughs> idea. I had no idea anything about computers. And I still don't. I had to call you before this podcast to ask you how the heck this was going to work. <laughs> I'm not editing that out. I'm leaving that in for sure. You should leave it in there. Yeah. Leave it all yeah. in. Reality is hilarious. So I, I've, I've had a couple bass players on, one other. I had the this, bronze I this medalist. Thing about bass. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Travis. <laughs> You're my third favorite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I find so I so I have to ask. I'm, I'm going to make it my thing in this podcast to ask every bass player that comes on the show why they think bass players end up making really great producers or MDs. Oh, I, yeah. I worked for a producer bass player. You're a producer bass player. I mean, you can list off tons of producer bass players or, or like super success. I feel like an MD in a band is usually the bass player or the, or the keyboard player. What do you think? Because I'm taking a poll. Every, everybody's getting asked. What do you think? I think bass players just need the work. <laughs> 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 it's like, oh, man. I got it. No, I mean, on a serious note, like, I think that there's just something about playing bass where you kind of, in most situations, you're kind of like the, um, I don't know, you're kind of like the conduit, like, not necessarily musically, but like between members of the band, like, you kind of just end up being the biggest, like, communicator. You know, like, yeah, okay. and I think that's important in a lot of when you're producing, you know, is to be able to communicate things to singers as because, you know, you're going to talk to a singer 
differently than you're going to talk to a drummer, you know, and you're going to talk to a guitar player differently. You know what I mean? Like, because there's things in common with guitar and bass. There's things in common with bass and drums. You know what I mean? Like, so you're kind of like, you're kind of like just by, by, you know, just by the luck of the draw, you have the most commonality between the rest of the band. So I think your 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 uh, communication skills are improved, and and then when you get into a room, it's like you're also the one that knows the most restraint. And a lot of times, if you want to make a great record, it's about picking the right stuff. You know, true. Less is more. Less is more. All right. So that's that. That'll go down in your. Your answer for bass players and producers, I'll, we'll, we'll do a book. I'll, I'll sell a book. Yeah, I think they need work is actually what I really think is <laughs> important. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that in. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I get I get a couple more a couple more questions. I think Heck that you yeah. and I are, uh, we're, I think we're these kind of oddities where we work in music and we make music, but we're both kind of a little bit more left brain than right brain. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. What, what do you think about like approaching music from the analytical side of the brain? Well, I mean, I honestly believe that no matter where your art comes from, it's still art. So if you're one of these people that just naturally sees and hears all these beautiful colors and just does that, and that's your MO, kudos. That's not mine. You know, mine is what is that? What do I need to do? How do I make that work? How can I figure that out? And then, so it's just two different paths to the same outcome, really, hopefully. I mean, because at the same time, there's, like we were talking about with collaboration, man, there's shortcomings in both of those styles, you know? Like, you, you know, you might just, you might make the most beautiful art in the world, you know? Like, you might write this amazingly gorgeous music, but it doesn't really fit into anything that will actually make you money you know not necessarily that's the only goal but like i mean it is a definitely a goal <laughs> like you know we, it's something you need you know you, you can't just go your whole life like creating this you know you could and if that's your path that's awesome you know like if you have the ability to just do that go for it you know but like at the, but at the same time if your thought process is i want to make music and make a living at it um, then a lot more of the left side of things comes into play. Right. You know what I mean? Like knowing f what's the, what's, what are the trends? What are the forms? What are the, what are the, you know, what are the boundaries that we have to stay inside of in order for this to be taken seriously in a marketplace, you know? So that's my thought on that is you need both, but I'm totally left. I mean, I'm, I'm always trying to figure it out. And, understand uh, why it is why, why does this is have it? tension why, why does this is, not have tension yeah why does that work like that you know and some people just do it naturally you know like when we were working with Kinsey you know she like that one song that she did and she had those really beautiful harmonies on it that were like really affecting me you know I was like that's really cool and I sit down at the piano I'm like what is that but I want to know why that's making me feel that it just came out of her right naturally yeah. I wanted to know why I felt that way. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like sit down and figure it out and put that in the tackle box. You know what I mean? Like, okay, next time I need to catch that fish, I'm going to use that lure. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's important, I think, to, it's important to like try things and then figure out why it worked or didn't. And I think didn't is even more important than why it did. Well, I think you have to analyze both, though. I think you and I were talking about this the other day. Um, you have to analyze 
your success is just as much as you you analyze your failures to understand like why you ended up going down the road you're on. A hundred percent, man. I think we always overlook our successes. You know, like we always look look at like or me anyway, not we. I mean me. I always tend to look at like that didn't work. What did I do wrong? And I think there's value in that, but I think there's more value in when something does work, trying to figure out why it did, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's important. And I think a lot of people overlook that sometimes where it's like, oh, cool, we got to win, you know, but they're always sitting there going, oh, that didn't work. We should not call that person next time or do that thing or, or, or pitch it that way or, you know, you know, you know what I mean? We should use a different picture for the artwork because it didn't seem to connect. You know what I mean? Like we always look at the things we did wrong. Yeah. When we really can't pinpoint, I think it's harder to pinpoint what you did wrong than what you did right. It's like if something works, it's really easy to look at it and go, that's what worked. And then just remember to do that next time, you know, yeah. like do that, you know, like, yeah, because I mean, we can all sit here and point fingers. We've had so many projects, all of us have in our careers that we thought were really great and nothing ever came of it. Right. And we sit yeah. there and go, what went wrong? What went wrong? And we all have different theories. There's just so much more conspiracy theories in trying to figure out what you did wrong than just the obvious answer of that worked. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I see why that worked. Well, I think that people are really quick to, like, uh, unfortunately, like, look at some of their successes as, as you know, luck or they don't look at them as, as big of a win as they might be. It might be just like, oh, that we got this one. And, you know, and then when your next, your next thing is not as successful, then all of a sudden, oh, we were lucky. It just doesn't matter. You know, I, I think people need to remember that everything's going to react differently, but it's, it's equally as important to, you know, what, try to analyze what went right as it is well, yeah, to what I, went wrong. I'm fascinated by the word luck, too. I'm yeah. so tired of people talking about luck. I mean, we might as well be talking about unicorns and fairies. It doesn't exist. Right. You're not just luck. Is a, it's a freaking ridiculous concept. It's like this faith in this nonsense that you're like, no, there's no luck. Nothing is luck. Right. Some person that's working like, you know, I don't know, in, in Arkansas at a, you know, at a warehouse, you know, trying to do a thing. He's not going to produce the next Beyonce album. Right. Right. He's not even a musician, but, you know, but, but he got lucky and he went from, you know, no, that's not that, that's ridiculous. That is such a ridiculous thought to me that it's like, no, yeah, people are like, oh, he was making beats and he was doing all these, you know, tracks and blah, blah, blah. And then like all of a sudden he got lucky and Beyonce cut his track. I was like, no, he didn't get lucky. That's not luck. Yeah. You know, if he was, if he was building bicycles in, in Oregon, and then all of a sudden, and wasn't making beats or doing anything, and all of a sudden he had the next Beyonce track, then I'd start thinking about luck. But tell me one time that ever happened. People are always doing something and working towards a goal. There's always some connection of work that they did in order for the luck to happen. The luck. It's still not luck. It's just like somebody liked what they did. If you don't do nothing, you're never going to end up getting anywhere. I agree 100%. And, you know, like trying to convince people luck is not turning their career around is like part of part of my reasoning behind, you know, a lot of the things I try to talk about on this podcast, but I read something that was, um, it was an interesting take on it. And I can't remember, I was trying to find it just a second ago of wh who said the quote, but, and I couldn't, so I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna commit, commit it to the show. 
Uh, just name. say your name. You might get lucky. Yeah, right. Uh, but <laughs> basically the... Uh, this. Sorry. <laughs> that is so stupid. Uh, <laughs> um, basically the, uh, the, the point of the quote is that nobody's any luckier than anyone else. It's essentially that everybody is lucky. It's just some people are prepared for those moments of luck. You know, everyone yeah. does get the, and it was, it was an interesting twist on luck because I, in episode one of this show, I gave luck, I, I was really bashing luck. And, um, and I, I guess it's like, it's really how you define the word. Like everyone is going to get these opportunities, you know, no matter what they're doing, you're going to, they're going to come to you. Yeah. But like you said, well, like that guy doing the beats for Beyonce, he was prepared when his quote luck happened. You know, if he, if he was yeah. just. Well, I think everybody's, everybody's, can, everybody has tried, is trying to make luck and break a synonym, right? And it's not. Uh, your big break is not luck. Those no. aren't synonymous, okay? You don't just work your ass off in music and then get a break and that break is luck. No, 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 no. That's not how that works. That's a ridiculous thought process. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, that's stupid. Luck is, I mean, luck is silly. Like, I don't get that word. Like, maybe it's just because, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just, a, uh, I don't know what the, I don't even know what the word is. I'm not even lucky enough to have words work. You know what I mean? But like, luck is like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. We've had this conversation before and right now oh, I'm yeah. just flustered and I just don't understand luck. I'm just like, yeah, no, nobody gets lucky. You might get lucky. Like if, you know, like. I would consider like if you, you know, like remember like um, Final Destination when they're like driving down the highway and those logs fall off the truck and one of them goes right through the windshield and takes that dude's head off. <laughs> the other person got lucky. You know what I mean? Like that guy didn't. I would say maybe you could call that luck. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're, you you're willing roulette. to let that be luck. Yeah, I'm willing to let that be luck. I, you know, I, like, I'm down with that. Or bad luck, you know, and if you hit double zero on roulette, maybe that's luck. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's no reason for it, you know. It's not like you worked your ass off and you earned hitting double zero at roulette. <laughs> so I'll let you have luck on that one. Agreed. Yeah, I Agreed. Know. I'm just uh, yeah, frustrated I, by it. I think it's yeah, a bad thing to put in people's heads. Yeah, I think people put too much weight on it. And, in you know, it's you wouldn't be where you are if you weren't good at bass if you hadn't practiced you wouldn't be getting gigs if you hadn't learned the language of production you wouldn't be in rooms writing and producing like you put the work in and then when presented the opportunity you won you know yeah no but i think i think that um yeah the manifestation is a better word like when when things like actually happen as a result of what you were trying to do i mean you should be able to own that and be proud of it yeah. You know what I mean? Like when something happens because of something you did to get there, don't call it luck. Because that t that takes away your uh, yeah. your victory. If Take you worked medal. hard for something. Yeah, yeah take, take the, the medal. medal. I mean, it's your medal. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't 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 call it luck. Uh No, that that's 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 like really well put because it kind of like it really stabs luck in the heart because people love to say, "Oh, I got lucky on that. I got lucky on that." It's like, "No, nah, you worked really hard and you and something happened. Like just embrace it for a minute, you know?" Because yeah. we all know that it, the, the next one might not be as successful or or whatever it is. Like, take your victories, learn from them, and, and pile on them. Heck yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> this feels like a meeting that I'm in. It's really, <laughs> pumping, it's really <laughs> pumping me up. I'm ready to go get the world, man. Oh, man. Bring um, it on, world. <laughs> so, uh, 
so I, I got to we work work our way to the end, but we can't not talk about your record. Oh right? yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So you're you're putting out music. You've been since I've known you, you've written like you've probably been in like 45 bands with yourself since I've met you. And finally you've like you've found the one that you're like birthing out into the world that you that you love the most. What was the uh what was the hardest part for you on that to like really finally put something out with Corey Britz's name on it? Well, I, f I found out that nobody knows less about me than me. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I had to go through this whole process of like, you know, trying stuff and you were there for a lot of it, you know, like where it's like, yeah, that's all right, but it doesn't really fit. You know what I mean? Like it, I had to write a lot of stuff and a lot, I went through a lot of different genres and trying to just trying to find something that felt like I was actually being honest with, with myself, you know? And, um, it was really interesting to find out that like, I'm, I'm, I'm not as tough as I thought I was. I'm not as edgy as I thought I was. You know what I mean? I'm also not as romantic as I thought I was. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, wow, you know, like I'm, I'm way different than I thought I was. You know, it only took me till, you know, I was 40 to finally like get in touch with who I am. And, uh, and I don't know if I like him, <laughs> but Hey, he's trying, he's hoping for some luck. <laughs> no, but I think honestly, man, uh, like that was the, that was the whole thing for me was learning what I wanted to say and trying to figure out who I was trying to let people know I was, which is a trick. You know what I mean? Like, cause I've never been an artist. I've always been somebody that tried to help other people make the art. Right. So when you make your own art, all of a sudden you're sitting there with, without a canvas, you know, you're like, Oh, I got all these, I got all these things that I'm good at doing, but how do you apply that to yourself? You know? It's like, right. so I, so I just did, you know, yeah. like, I'm like, Oh, well your voice doesn't sound good in that genre. You know what I mean? Your lyrics don't really fit with that kind of a, you know, beat. Uh, you're, you know what I mean? Like your, your voice doesn't really get sit good in that key. That key doesn't really sound good in this, you know, and you just go through all those production things, but on yourself, you have to be real honest with yourself at that moment too, which is really hard. I mean, I had no idea how much of a dick I've always been to myself. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've lied to myself more than I've ever lied to anybody in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it's a sad truth when you figure that out, you know, it's like, oh my God, like here I am, I'm, you know, in the middle, <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And I'm just starting to finally, you know, let myself be something that it's always wanted to be, I guess is the way to say it. I don't know, but it's been a cool journey and I've enjoyed the hell out of it for more than one reason, but mostly because I got to do music with my friends say something I wanted to say and the collaborate, like it's a solo record air quotes, but it's such an awesome collaboration with so many great people. You know what I mean? Like it is, it, yeah, it's, yeah. that's what makes it so special for me anyways, because like I hear elements in there that are just like, they're not like, that's not what I would have done. You know, I love that. I'm glad that's in there. You know what I mean? I'm glad that drum beat's in there. I'm glad that guitar line's in there. I'm glad that all this stuff that I couldn't do and wouldn't have done is in there, you know? Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you used the SPX-90 on the vocal. I wouldn't have done that, and it's rad. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Little things like that, dude. It's like, it's, not, it's as much everybody else's record as it is mine. 
and it feels cool that way. I'm glad because then if it sucks and everyone hates it, I'm not the only one on burning on a stick, you know? I'd be like, <laughs> hey, we all did a bad job. <laughs> Go down together. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Thanks for your help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was a cool journey because I definitely, I watched you do all those things. I mean, God, the number of voice notes that you sent me or the number of times we stopped in the middle of a song for you to voice note something else. I don't even know how you would come up with an idea while we were listening to other music. All of a sudden, you're like, hey, stop. I need to put something in my phone. I'm like, where did that come from? What are you doing over there? Um, but so that's many just, songs. Yeah. The, that's just trust. That's, you were the only one listening at that moment because I tripled it. You know, I'm like, oh, Travis is fixing it. He could, you know, he's he's onto something. I'll let him think. I was, I wasn't even listening to what you were working on. <laughs> that's, that's just like, oh. You know what I think would be really interesting is if people heard like the the variations of what you went through while you were exploring the, like, because there's songs that I mean were written in another genre, and you know, and you would just come to me or or Justin and and Nick and play a demo that is not related to your project as it sounds now at all and you're like this is going to be great when we do it up and we'd all just stare at you you're like are you sure that's this for this project it's a great song it sounds a little, little off there yeah well i think but that was the that was the awesome part about it though is that everybody was we were all willing to try things oh yeah you know what i mean like everybody's like yeah let's try it and i mean how many songs did we do though I mean, there's another testament to just, like, work. I mean, there's a lot of songs that... that there are a lot of songs. ...that are just sitting, not even part of the record anymore. Just because, like, we were smart enough to listen to it and be, you know, and self, you know, edit and just go, nah, no, that's wrong, that's bad. Maybe we'll ever use that for something else at some other time, but it just doesn't fit right now. Well, there's a fine line between not putting out enough material and putting out your best material. Like, you can't... You have to make sure everything you're doing is you feel like your best work at all times, but at the same time, you can't wait two years for your best work to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, we definitely live in that world now where it's, um, you know, so much is re is reliant on it happening yes, now yeah. all the time. Yeah. So it's like, you know, when you used to be able to just write a record, take a couple years, you know what I mean? Do your thing. And you have that ability on your first record now. You do? Yeah. You have the ability to spend the time. And I think that you should. Well, as, this is as long as you release your first record. As long as you Because there's people out there that have never yeah, released their first exactly. record. They've been doing like, it for three years. Take your time, do it, and then get it going. And then realize you don't have much time to follow it up. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you better pick a lane that you like and that you can be prolific in and then and then just and then do it you know but i mean it took me a couple of years to get this record together you know um but now i feel like i've slotted into a place where i can produce you know like i can i can make music in that vein and yeah. keep it going and feel good about it and i'm enjoying it you know like and it feels honest so i you know i don't feel uh uh I don't feel like I'm, you know, I don't feel like I'm wearing some weird costume. You know what I mean? Like, it's me. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> so and if people that, that's dig come it, up, that's great. That's come up in a lot of my interviews. The, the idea that you have to be doing something that you honestly enjoy 
in order for it to be sustainable. And also I think for it to be successful because people latch on to the authenticity of something. You know, if you're making music that you don't actually like, but it's still good, somebody's going to notice that there's something off about it. You know, when there's so much music that you can listen to, yeah, I, I, I believe that the only thing that makes something a hit versus not a hit or whatever is that something about that people connected with authentically and everyone believed it and, it and it's the right thing. You know, and the wrong artist on the same song probably would have never worked. Yeah. Maybe that artist didn't live that story or whatever it is. But without that, there's no there's no thing. It's just a bunch of music. So something has to win people over. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of those funny that even as a producer, though, we, we, we both find ourselves in these situations where, like, authenticity is, like, it's kind of an X factor. It's a variable that you're, that you're chasing, and you'd never really know if you actually got it. <laughs> but it, but you know what I mean? Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, you, you can sit there and think that feels so correct. You know, that feels so honest and so amazing. But it's not till it leaves and goes out in the world that you actually know if it did or not. You know, like, because there is some weird thing. I see it with my daughter, you know, like I see her connect with songs as an eight-year-old, you know, like, where it's like, what is it about this song? And it can be anything from some like really silly, dancey, fun kids thing to, uh, you know, like in a really emotional, you know, deep song. But like, then she'll have other ones where she's like, uh-uh. You know what I mean? And you're like, what is that all about? Because she's not one of us. She's not like... She's not sitting there going, oh, no, that's out of tune or that's, you know what I mean? She's not, she doesn't have any of those tools. Her only tools, you know, that she has for liking a song or not or whether it connects with her on a, on a, on some sort of level. Right. And, you know, so like, I don't I find that, I find that interesting, you know, like, I don't know, I don't know the answer, but I think not knowing the answer is the point. <laughs> yes, I mean, totally. You, you know what I mean? Like if anybody did know the answer, then our world would suck. Totally. Uh, agreed. <laughs> um, all right. So I got one last, my last closing question, which you've probably heard if you listen to the show is what is your, uh, what's your goal that you're doing right now? What, what are you focusing on? I know you're going to tell me that you don't have any focus, but if Corey yeah. Brits has one goal right now, what is it? And what are you doing to go to it? Um, my one goal right now is short term. I mean, it's, and it's getting through COVID-19, this whole thing. Like, it's like buckling down, swallowing my pride, taking any work I can get to keep myself afloat through these hard times. And then once these hard times start to, you know, chill out, then I'm going to turn my focus to, you know, more of a fun goal. <laughs> but like my <laughs> honest goal right now is to, is to, is just to dig in and get and ride through this storm, you know? Cause it's hard. Like it is, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with. You know, like the music industry has never been shut down in this way, you know? So, and as a dad and a husband and, and a, you know, a musician and a blah, blah, blah. That's my biggest goal is, is taking off all the, taking off everything and just allowing myself to continue to work and do whatever I can and make yeah. it through this. So it's not really, it's a very pragmatic goal. It's not very well, sexy. It's not very romantic. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's honest, that's for sure, because, <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody listening right now, assuming they're listening current times, is probably in agreement, because that is 
a, feels like a daunting task on a day-to-day basis to make it through the rest yeah. of this. So I mean, I mean, on a, on a broader level, you know, it would just be to continue to, uh, you know, to continue to learn and hone my craft and hopefully try to help myself, like, you know, be more organized with my thoughts and skills and, you know what I mean? Like trying to, you know, streamline myself. I would love to streamline myself. That would be a great goal. And the first step would probably be to stop being me. So that's my first step in that goal is to, uh, you know, forget about me. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's, that's good. You, um, uh, obviously we could keep going all day and we'll probably continue chatting after I hit stop, but do you want to, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internets if they want to hang out socials or uh, websites or whatever? Yeah. I'm just Corey Brits at all the social spots like Instagram and Facebook. It's just Corey Brits. And, uh, I'm there a lot. So come hang out, DM me. I'll get back to you. Oh, amazing. All right, Corey. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, dude. This has been, this has been great, man. We should, uh, we should do this again. We'll do a part two. Um, I don't know, tomorrow. Dude, you want to do it It's been amazing. It totally feels like every day of our, of our working together. Like this is like the <laughs> best, like I've done a couple of podcasts and I've never been this comfortable, but you know, they, like it's just talking with your buds. It's good. It's good. I don't think anyone learned anything. I enjoyed and, it. I mean, and and you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> you're welcome. You're if you take away anything, don't be like me, and uh, listen to Travis. <laughs> He'll help Amazing. you too. Well, <laughs> He'll help you too. <laughs> and on that note, we're uh, we're gonna go. All right, thanks, Corey. This is thanks, great, brother. So that's it for episode ten. Hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, and uh, join us over at completeproducer.net. We'll see you next week.